show filled with epicness, insight, and comedy rages. Welcome to We Love That Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of We Love That Podcast. My name is Paxton Pritchett, along with Parker Pritchett in the flesh, and Garrett Burke, once again, in, in the non-physical form. Garrett, how are you doing today? Well, I'm I'm all right. It's been a it's been a couple tiring weeks for me. Yeah. Um just hard at work and getting things done, but um enjoying enjoying the late springtime and uh know it. Looking forward to enjoying the rest of the summer. Yes, definitely. And if my voice for some reason sounds awful, I just want to tell y'all I have some bad allergy struggles going on right now. Both me and you, Garrett, were, te- were at weddings yesterday. They were different weddings Indeed. for different friends. But my wed- the wedding I was at was all outdoors. Amazing wedding. But, man, that next morning you feel awful. <laughs> oh, geez. It was so crazy. So just want to give that as a little bit of a disclosure. Parker, how are you doing today? I am doing doing fantastic. It's been good being back home for a little bit, and um, I'm looking forward to our discussion that we're going to yes. have. Yes, it will be a good conversation. Parker, you will have to be honest in some moments, though, and we will have to and be I honest about you. Hold you. Me to it. We will hold <laughs> you to it. I have a mental wager going on in my mind about Parker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. A so, mental wager. We got three things to talk about today. The first one is really one of the biggest losses I've ever seen for a company. Mm. Like when it comes to embarrassments yeah. for a company, I feel like this is one of the biggest. And that is uh, Disney's $1 billion reported. hotel. It's reported. It okay, I reported. Don't, I don't think those numbers are very well, certain, but it's still very. Reported $1 billion hotel for Star Wars closes well, announces closing about a year after yeah. it was it came out. They opened it, I believe, March 2022. It is May 2023, and they're announcing it's closing this September. That is in uh, Disney World in Florida. It was more than just a regular hotel. It was actually a hotel where you had to role play. You went there. There's no windows at all. It looks like you're in an actual space shuttle, you know. In Star Wars, all the people who work there, the cast members are all dressed up. And yeah, you spend about two days there. You don't get to have a whole lot of time in the theme park. It's a lot reserved for stuff at the hotel. And yeah. It's like a two-day ride. It's like a two-day ride. That's a great way to word it, Parker. And really, that's all fine and dandy until you look at that price tag. It's like, I think, 4000 something dollars per two people for two nights. Like I grew up in a family of five. Mm-hmm. That's like no way that's more than our Disney World vacation trip. Yeah. For a week. For a week. For just two days at a hotel if we all went. Mm-hmm. So it closed. It's closing. <laughs> and let, let's just be honest, that's kind of a strange move. Like, you know, Disney Star Wars, Disney Lucasfilm has had a lot of crazy things happen to them. I feel like this is a big one. Garrett, what are your thoughts on that when you hear about it? Well, it 
it doesn't really come as a huge surprise. I mean, we've all we're all aware that Disney's been in some pretty tough financial struggles lately. They've a lot of their later projects have uh, they've made money. They just haven't made as much money as they were projected to, and so that's that's led to a huge drop in their uh, stock price as of late. I think I've I was just looking at a graphic showing the five year um, stock price for the Walt Disney Company and. I mean, it it reached a a pretty good peak back in 2020, uh, mid mid 2020, and man, really? now it has just fallen off the chart. I mean, it's the lowest it's been since before 2018. Dang. Um. So okay. so that they've definitely been in some been in some struggles lately. I mean, even with their CEO uh, struggles and their their projects not doing as well as they'd hoped, and they've had to have a lot of layoffs lately as well. Um, so this doesn't really come as a surprise. It's, it's sort of, to me, it seems sort of like a, an attempt to course correct and, uh, stop sinking money into something that's not going to be profitable for them. Yeah. Um, they can, they can spend their resources elsewhere. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's their mindset at, at this moment is that they're, they're going to use those resources elsewhere and, uh, try to, try to wide ride this wave um, out and, and create more value for the shareholders. Honestly, one thing for me that really comes as a con for this is because it is, well, really it is the price. I mean, for me, I do think it does overall not look bad. I mean, one thing fun about Disney world, I've been twice now, me and Parker have been twice and it is fun. The immersion the immersion at Disney World is amazing. And to have that with Star Wars sounds fun, but not for $4,000 <laughs> for two people. Like that's where it's like, that for me feels like it is a shot in the foot for it. Not to mention it is sequel trilogy based. So you're not even getting to hang out with Darth Vader. Yeah. So no, so no one's want to go, want to go, right, go so to it anyway, if it's sequel based. It's, yeah. It's, it's the thing that. And like the light, you get to see a lightsaber duel while you're there, and it's Ray versus Kylo. And the coolest thing about it is they use the real lightsaber that they've been uh, you, that they've been talking about. I, I think yeah, part like it's not one of those where the blade is this clear bulb that lights up. Like I've seen a YouTube video, and you see Ray standing far enough away that you can't see everything in detail, and she pulls the lightsaber hilt off of her belt, and it's just a hilt. And then it lights up like a real lightsaber. And you don't, you know, it's like one of those magic tricks. You don't know how they did it. And that's but probably the coolest thing of the whole experience. It is the sequel trilogy. But it is the sequel trilogy. <laughs> and it's Mary Sue Palpatine yeah, versus, Mary Sue Pal versus crying Kylo. Very weak crying Kylo. He did lose every battle he's ever fought. The funny thing life. about this battle is, though, is that... Let's be honest. Snoke sucks as an instructor. He's no improvisation. <laughs> Apparently. Like, at least Darth Vader okay, won. Guys, we can't. We can't. You said this in the last episode. Like, you know... <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to drift off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go back to the last episode. It is a fact. Let me at least, rap, let, let me at least rant in one way. At least Darth Vader won episode five's duel. Right. And episode four's duel. Right, yes. he won two duels. It kind of went past every duel he was in. Like, I'm sorry, that's just. Uh. So, Parker, what would you say though? How do you feel about? I feel you're the one who's always been the most passionate about it. I wanted to go. I did. However, um, now that I have pretty much no chance of going, I went ahead and watched the YouTube, some a YouTube video of it to see what it looked like, 
And um, it honestly did look underwhelming because the uh, just the the whole cosplay element of of sort of making you pretend that you're actually there. Um, it almost comes across as not quite as magical as it's built up to be. You're kind of like, okay, I know this isn't real. What's go what's going on? Um, and then the, uh, the facilities themselves weren't as big as they needed to be that it basically feels like you're in a small ship. Whenever you see the pictures of the ship though, it's, it's a big ship, but all the facilities are small and, um, the, the computer effects for what's happening outside the ship were kind of underwhelming. Um, it did not look like it was worth the money. But I think it was a great idea, and I'm glad they tried it. However, I'm very disappointed that it was it worth a billion dollars that, 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 that they're not even trying to rewire it or or lower the price to see if they can attract more customers because it was way too expensive. I think and I read you know, they were they did lower the price. My, my dad put it really well, and he's not he doesn't have these kinds of discussions the same way we do. But but when I told him about it, he said, "Well, you know, this is all what it is." He says, "Real rich people." don't like star wars <laughs> <laughs> and you know i think there is some truth to that it's it's just goofy enough that when you're looking for a pay for a big vacation you're not going to go to a star well, wars costume party yeah and not to mention if you're going to spend that much on disney world you might as well stay at a lesser hotel and actually go to the theme park yeah ride space i Mountain, think ride everest star wars themed hotel resort yeah would be great with not, not trying to immerse you like that as much have a little immersion. a little immersion but just yeah a star wars themed hotel that you stay at yeah um would be would be cooler than that it's well, like it's as if it's as if disney like everything they're trying to touch with star wars just goes belly up i've heard like, it's, actually, it's the story of, of star wars's life under disney it's i wish like, i yeah. yeah, I've heard it someone on YouTube say it's kind of like the Midas touch, but the total opposite. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. It, whatever Luke's film touches turns to crap. Like, like the only reason Rogue One hasn't been ruined is because they never made a sequel. They caused themselves to never be able to make a sequel, right? I know, right? Yeah. And the prequel yeah. scores this other best thing, like Andor and Man Andor and Rogue One are like the how, two how best. How you take things. the least interesting character of any Star Wars movie and make the greatest TV show? Right? I know it happened though. Like, <laughs> Maybe it's because of the obscurity, the lack of... Maybe. No one has expectations. Yeah, no one has expectations. Hmm. And it's actually good. That's something that I think we forget, is you can actually make stuff that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it can be done. <laughs> well, for time's sake, I believe we should move on to a perhaps more tragic thing or less tragic. We'll see. It's gonna hit, This thing hits closer to home. It really does. And that is Indiana Jones 5. Now... Parker, me and Garrett have talked about the latest trailer on you the have, podcast. We have. What was your the summary of your thoughts? We didn't like it. What about it? <laughs> we, didn't like it. Now. we just didn't like it. Because that I'll admit the big the main trailer I didn't like as much when it came out, but over time it's grown on me. But um, yeah, if you, if anyone like listening doesn't know, Disney's been making a Indiana Jones five. Takes place in the 70s. No, 69. Is it 69? Yes. It okay. Is 69. Takes place in 1969. And it is about the Dial of Destiny. Apparently, it's going to have Indiana Jones going to find this Dial of Destiny, old Indiana Jones. And he's accompanied by Phoebe Waller Bridge playing someone, mm -hmm. his goddaughter. 
and the villains are like this Nazi cult. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford is 80-something. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and get mine over with. I think Parker will have the greatest defense. <laughs> I have zero expectations. <laughs> like, I really, I really don't. And the what the best way to word it is, you've been dating someone for years now, and every time something – it's always been a disappointment. Like, you know, like when someone breaks your heart 10 times, do you really trust them on the 11th? No. <laughs> and like, that's what it's been with Star Wars, with, with Lucasfilm, I mean. Everything that Disney's Lucasfilm touches is heartbreaking. They make a sequel trilogy. It's heartbreaking. They make a solo spinoff. It's heartbreaking. That one was heartbreaking before right. it even came out. Mando, oh, Mandalorian, they gave us hope that they broke our hearts. Book of Boba Fett broke our hearts. So really most of the stuff, Willow broke our hearts. So most of the stuff Disney's Lucasfilm has ever done with like the exception of Andor, Rogue One, first two seasons of Mando. And like, you know, there's some things, mm-hmm. but mo- overall, they've had a good track record of breaking my heart. So for me, I want Indiana Jones 5 to do good, but I also, I doubt it. <laughs> I- I'm not like Obi-Wan. I'm not cautiously optimistic. I'm optimistically scared, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of my in a nutshell. Garrett, what about you? What what, what do you think, Indiana Jones 5? You know, it, it's I, – I watched part of an interview that uh, Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge did um, in preparation for the movie. And I uh, – Uh-oh, he's cutting out. This uh, – I'm not uh, – I'm not sure if this interview um, that Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge did together – I don't know if that was post the premiere or bef- took place before the premiere. I'm not exactly sure on the timetable, but I, I did watch part of an interview that they had with this uh, news anchor just, and just really just talking about the gist of, of Jones five without, you know, giving any major spoilers away. And the entire time they were talking, um, Harrison Ford just seemed so, uh, oblivious like almost as if it it was it was very odd for me to see that in an interview um just because he was asked for instance to to give us a a little peek into into indiana jones's life at at this point in the story and and he's just like yeah he's he kind of doesn't have anything to live for and his life is you know pretty uninteresting and (laughs) And, and there is there is no emotion or emphasis in Ford's demeanor at all. It's it's as if he's depressed just talking about the character. Um, and the whole time Phoebe Waller Bridge just has this really excited look on her face, and she's just you know bubbling over with excitement. I mean, uh, I, I really, 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 unless they do it right, because you can do it right. But I hope this isn't a deconstructed, depressed. Ford, Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, that has to be saved by the the all-powerful female trope. The flawless female trope. It's not that there's nothing wrong with a powerful woman, but it's when they're flawless, you know, like Ray. It's like, you know, there's nothing that really makes them, the human condition isn't really as present. Right. And also it's emasculating to a hero that's been in people's hearts for 40 years. I'm hoping they don't do that. And they might be able to do it right if they do it, but 
like I said, I, I don't have too much hope. I've, I've heard reviews um, from the Cannesville Festival um, that Jones 5 is pretty much – it's a action-packed um, kind of shell of an Indiana Jones movie. Like, it, it's got all of the, the sparkly action and the – the excitement that you would expect to see in a Jones film, it just feels hollow at its core, which I I have to say is probably just because the franchise has been around so long and it's lost its flair. Um, I mean, James Mangold is an, is a very accomplished filmmaker, um, yeah, like, but I, I've heard reviews that say that it, it just completely lacks the Spielberg touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can, I could see that definitely, definitely coming through. Um, it's it's just hard for me to imagine an Indiana Jones movie without Spielberg in it, even with a guy like Mangold who is who is very accomplished. So, the fact that it's getting such um, very mixed reviews and a lot of people were were pretty pessimistic about it going forward. I at this point, I really don't care how well it does at the box office. I, I mean, Disney needs it to do well. And um, it, it's sort of I, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm pretty much just apathetic about the project. Um, I'm going to go see it and I would love for it to be great. But I also kind of felt like for all of its flaws, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull ended the franchise where it needed to be. It was a really happy ending. In and uh, I feel like bringing Jones back into the fray, um, apparently apparently one last time is really just a money grab for Disney. This is Disney's first foray into the Indiana Jones IP. So they are trying, they're trying desperately to make money off of this. And uh, that's, that's really what it's about at this point. Yeah. Honestly, my dream come true would be the film is excellent and makes no money. Then they're forced never to make an Indiana Jones film again, but we get to die happy men knowing that there was a fifth good Indiana Jones film. Yes. Was even better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. Like Because that, let's let's admit Crystal Skull was a hot mess. Honestly, <laughs> me and Parker are gonna watch this tonight. We're gonna reprove it because we're we've been kind of we've been going through the films and we're looking forward to maybe in the next episode we can t- we can give our little thought on it. But if I remember right, it does have some hot mess moments. Parker, tell us. Give us a tell us what you think of Indy Five. <laughs> so you put the most thought. I'm into gonna all of try this. to organize my thoughts, and and this is this is some of this is sentiment from me, and not um, not a purely logical. Which is what you have to do when you watch episode nine. Which is what I do when I watch episode. No, nine. no, anyone, any, what anyone, <laughs> you have yeah, to, you have, you have. To. <laughs> logic out the window for that which is sad to enjoy it which is sad but there are still merits to enjoying it i think anyway i remember watching kingdom of the crystal skull when i was younger and i loved it it's probably still my favorite indiana jones (laughs) (laughs) you heard me correctly 
It is probably my favorite. Yeah, I'm going to figure that out for sure tonight when we watch it again. Parker. And if we watch it and we're like, this is junk, I'll I'll we can't you know, in the next episode. The critical drinker and nerd rod would take you to a back alley and say like, they were <laughs> they would. And I wouldn't blame <laughs> Where's the 80s nostalgia and saying the kingdom of the crystal skull is your favorite? But, <laughs> but it's true. And so whenever these reviews came out that were saying, you know what, this is slightly better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> if this really is better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I would be overjoyed. But um, I understand they meant that in a derogatory way. Um, but I remember the ending of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull being a beautiful ending. You know, Indiana Jones gets married, settles down, and it's with Marion of all people, which makes us happy. But he grabs the hat off out of uh, Mutt's hands. And we're thankful because the last thing we wanted was oh, yeah. a Shia LaBeouf spinoff. <laughs> now, no Phoebe Waller-Bridge might be worse. No, I don't think it would be worse. Oh, it would be <laughs> worse. Right, <laughs> we're talking about Tyler. <laughs> uh, no. It um, would be way worse. <laughs> I think, uh, because whenever he did that, I just assumed that they were going to make another Indiana Jones and film. They announced it before. They announced it. They announced talks of it before mm -hmm. Disney before bought it. Disney bought it. Um, bought but the thing it. that is happening now is that George Lucas is not under the story. He's, but he why is producing. Lucas? He, he oh, why is, Disney? He and Spielberg are returning to produce the film. Which is important because, I mean, you do have Spielberg, who is the director of the franchise before that, but you have Lucas on board, which is a departure from Disney's approach in the Star Wars oh, years. Get rid of the lead. Yeah. Get rid of the visionary. Because you'll remember whenever uh, they announced Episode Seven, they said George Lucas is going to serve as a creative consultant from this film. But and when, we bought into that line. But then when the, <laughs> when the movie came out, his name is nowhere on that uh, credits. He, he he later comes out and as saying, you know, we knew that there could never be an understanding between us. And Bob Iger talks about how Disney um, abandoned the story ideas that Lucas gave them. And so Lucas knew that he needed to leave. And so he did. In short, they screwed Lucas over. They yeah. did. It, it's a horrible shame. And then now they're paying for it. You know? Yeah. They've got a fractured fan base that hates their movies uh, in large part. And it, they, they, are, they definitely don't look like the good guys. But anyway, Indiana Jones 5 is different because George Lucas is actually serving as a producer for the film. And I remember Spielberg saying he would never make an Indiana Jones film without George Lucas. And that's probably why George Lucas is there. And so I'm really glad that both of those guys are on board. And John Williams is doing the score for perhaps the last time he'll ever score a film is what he said. Um, who knows if that's true or not, but he had he has been said he has said at one point this will be the last time. So I think that's one reason to really anticipate the film. He will be probably the best part of it. James Mangold has directed a character-driven finale before to great acclaim. That was Logan. And so, you know, he's this is not his first rodeo with this kind of movie either. So we can't just say, well, the movie's gonna be bad whenever we have so much talent attached to it. That doesn't mean it's gonna be good. You know, we've seen talented people make bad movies before. But, yeah. Wait. Um, and then we've also got Harrison Ford. And and like despite whatever, like I, I've seen an interview with him when he talks about the film and he, he seems pretty happy with it. But also um, he, uh, you know, as, as he's aged, you know, he said he thinks the film is in part about age. And I'm really interested to see that that approach uh, in the script if it's there. But um, people say, oh, he's too old. But in my opinion, 
I don't think he's too old. I think I think it's going to be really cool watching him at 80, you know, riding a horse and jumping out of an airplane and, and doing all that. Um, whether it's realistic or not, I, I, I am looking forward to it. Imagine if they made a mission um, impossible with Tom Cruise at 80. But yeah, the, the imagine that it's also going to be the longest Indiana Jones film by far. All the other ones are around two hours. This one's going to be two and a half hours. And that extra half hour is going to be a sequence at the beginning of a de-aged Harrison Ford in an old fashioned World War II era Indiana Jones adventure, which I'm really looking forward to. That will they're be finally getting de-aging right. And like he looks amazing in the trailers. It's 80-year-old Harrison Ford playing 35-year-old Harrison Ford. It's not a stunt double, it's him with they've changed his face and they've made him look young. And um I recognize that Lucasfilm has a bad track record, and I understand that this film has a very, very high chance of being a disappointment. But there's like this kid in me that really hopes that it's going to be awesome. And there's it's the last film, too, that like was announced during my childhood or teenage years that's finally coming to other fruition. other than National Treasure 3. Yeah. <laughs> National when, Treasure when, 3. Where is it, Nick Cage? Where is it? <laughs> At this point, though, that's going to pretty much be a reboot more than a sequel, probably. But yeah. I would get excited for that. But um other than that, I think this is the last one. And so it's kind of a, a, not the end of an era, but like it's it's the last of its kind for me. And I've been excited about it since I heard they were doing it. So I don't want a bunch of negativity to stifle my excitement, especially when all the footage and trailers they've released have interested me and grabbed my attention. And and the like, like for instance, they released a clip of the movie from the Cannes Film Festival, and it's this—it's the part where they're chasing through the desert, and I enjoyed it. Now, was it perfect? No, I mean there were parts of it that looked a little goofy, but that's Indiana Jones. You know, even since Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's been goofy at times, and um, even Phoebe Waller-Bridge's performance in that part of the clip I enjoyed, and I didn't expect to. She was kind of the wild card, like, okay, why is this character here, and is she going to steal the spot? Is this a Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, is, is this a typical is this one of those? stereotyped Mary Sue, or is this going to uh, be a legit I, There wasn't enough in the clip to say how her character arc is going to go, but I I enjoyed watching her and Jones go back and forth, and, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I know not everyone will, but, like, I don't want just – the track record that Lucasfilm has and all the negative critical reviews to kind of stifle that inner child in me that really is hoping that this movie is going to be good. And if it's bad, you know, I'll admit it and I'll be like, you know, maybe I should have, maybe I was wrong to have some hope, but I don't want to just turn around and say it's going to be awful when just because people around me are saying that I, I want to have my own opinions and I want to hopefully enjoy it. And even if, even if the movie is very poorly done, um, even in the case with the sequel trilogy, there were things to appreciate about them, whether it be just the visual effects and the music and the sound, like, cause, cause really that's all you can appreciate about certain parts of those films. And sadly, <laughs> I, uh, it's sad when the best part of your and, film I mean, has to be. You can also enjoy when you take a group of people who aren't hardcore Star Wars fans. You know, we went to see the sequel trilogy at times with people who weren't hardcore Star Wars fans, and they liked it. And we were like, I don't know if I like this or not. But they liked it just because they weren't they weren't thinking about all those other things that we do. They were just having a so good time. So can I say, can I say something? Can I say the, the, the cynical way of saying that? Yeah. At the expense of the true fans... You 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 go to the money spenders. 
<laughs> like, yes. Yeah, so, well, right. I really like, don't yeah, care. No, that's, that, and that's horrible stuff. But, but what I'm saying to, is it doesn't uh, mean that it's going to be a yeah. complete bust. Yeah, there's that's, a, a, that's a great point because we're, we're living, and this has part to do with our culture today, is we live in a culture that is dominated by fandoms. And oh, we have 10 when, minutes left on the episode. We got to, after you say this amazing thought, we got to move to Guardians 3. All right. Yeah. All I was going to say is, is pretty much like because we live in an age in Hollywood, especially where everyone is just driven towards these fandoms, great big fandoms of, of franchises that have been around for so long. It's like when you're dealing with a brand new IP or a, a new project, you can just make the project. But when you're dealing with a franchise that's that's so old, like Star Wars, Indiana right. Jones, you have people's feelings. Even in- even at this point, Marvel, which has been around for for a while now, like you have to you have to keep the fans invested, and uh, you have to keep. I think just to be cordial to the fandom, you have to you have to make projects that appeal to them. Yeah, and I agree with that too. Speaking of a good project. This moves us oh, facts. to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Guardians, we've talked on We Love That podcast a lot about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, an episode doesn't go by without talking about The Last Jedi. And usually the Marvel Cinematic Universe comes up or the DC Extended Universe. <laughs> but really for the MCU, we've talked, you know, it's this, it's been this epic, cool set of characters. You had Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Ant-Man, all these great characters with their own movies that came together for the Avengers films. And that was all really good overall till after Endgame. After their big finale, 10 years in the making, they kind of fell off the cliff. And for these past four years, overall, not always, except but Except for No Way Home. Except for No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home was amazing. But that wasn't even made by Disney. It's like... It's not been the best, but one film at least has stood out, I think, and that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. One reason we can blame for that is because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 script is old. It's from 2020. It's not like a script made in this modern era of Disney's Marvel. Hmm. It was made, uh, James Gunn wrote it, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure he wrote it. Then he got fired for those awkward tweets that, he should not have made. <laughs> then when he's back, he's using that same script. Honestly, I thought it was a great film. I It wasn't perfect. I can see how someone could say it's the worst of the three Guardians of the Galaxies. But I loved how it was a finale. And I felt like it was a great, respectful send-off to each of these characters of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I felt like because James Gunn actually cares about his characters, it seems you can really tell that he was trying to pour in some love to these characters. And he it was a good finale. I mean, I feel like I would be happy if they never make another Guardians of the Galaxy production again, or even if these characters never returned in anything. This was a happy finale for them. That's, that's kind of how I would word my thoughts on it in a nutshell. With a great villain. I thought the villain was really well done. Hmm. What about you? Yeah. What, what did you think I, of the uh, I really respected it and um i did i mean it wasn't perfect and i had certain issues with it i didn't feel like it was funny enough for a guardians of the galaxy film and i also you know there were times when they would take something too far like some of the violence or the uh the sort of 
the motive behind some of the characters. I didn't appreciate the F word being added into a Marvel film. I thought First every a, time. I thought that was an awful choice. Um, you know, these films are movies that kids want to see too. And Marvel should be responsible enough to monitor what's going to be in the film. It doesn't have to be a kid's movie or anything. It shouldn't be, but they, they need to be, they need to be careful. And um but on the bright side, I really I think James Gunn did a fantastic job writing the film with the uh, the storyline. It was honestly it was very philosophical of a movie. It it explores nihilism and uh, the idea of life without God and how it it results in a society that that is trying to perfect itself but is only getting worse and worse. Of uh, when you have no hope, you have no hope like that, and. Um, and and then Rocket's backstory with the uh, um, the white bunny friends the bunny <laughs> that I, made me bunnies sad. are my weakness yes and so <laughs> see a bunny die on screen that is that is a yeah. brutal thing but like seeing Rocket's backstory and the uh, all of that um, just the the trauma of it and the the light that was found in their friendship and then how it was destroyed by a monster who was already torturing them and lying to them as it was. Um, it, it almost made it. I there were several times I almost cried. I almost broke down crying. I, I didn't quite, but like I got, I got emotional and almost teared up several times. And it's the only Marvel movie that's ever done that. And possibly the only superhero movie that's ever done that wow. for me. Um, and so I, it really does stand out. And I applaud James Gunn and the whole crew for the work they put into it and and, and for how respectful it was. It didn't yeah. feel like they were trying to deconstruct their characters. They were yeah. they were actually trying to do justice to their characters. And and I, I really appreciate it. It's not the salvation movie that Marvel needs to make them feel relevant again, but it was it was definitely a, a solid hit. Sweet. All right, Gary, I apologize about this. We got four minutes left. I want you to take up these four minutes. Tell us what you think, man. Oh, it, it's it's a great film. Um, from the opening, from the very opening scene, uh, I, I, I want to get, I think that Guardians 3's opening scene is one of my very favorite opening scenes in all of Marvel. Um, it shows you where every character is. It shows you it shows you almost what the what the movie's going to be about and just sets the table so well for what for what is an emotional roller coaster of a film um james gunn was very clear about this that that he made this movie for the fans of those who were were fans of the very first guardians movie a a, a film for the MCU in 2014 that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and was a massive success. Um, a wonderful, a wonderful cast, um, a near, I will say this, a near perfect cast mm. and um, is, is proof that you can make a great superhero film based off of obscure characters. And if you cast it right, and if you have the right story, you can create something that isn't just, especially in today's era, it's not just another superhero movie. Um, there are great things to be found in, in I would say, all three of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, and this one in particular, um, I, I too found myself um, brought to tears a couple of times in this movie. Um, 
it, it's a it's a testament to the family that the guardians have become yeah. uh, from a, a crew of misfits to a, to a solid they, family they, that really cares about each other out of their love for one another was a beautiful thing to see in a film. Yeah. And that was so beautiful. And I have to mention, we will never for the rest of our lives, we will never view rocket raccoon as the same character again. When that, we go back and watch Guardians one and two, when we go back and watch the Avengers, that movie that he's in, we will never see his character the same way again because we will know um, what his backstory was in its fullest form. And that's that's so rewarding. What a great finale Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was to to do that to us. Cameron's been, not Cameron, I see James Gunn and James Cameron mixed up. (laughs) There is no dissimilarity. (laughs) But James Gunn's been hinting at it since the first one about Rocket's tragic backstory. You know, he talks about his abuse in the first one. And, it's, yeah. and when you hear it, you're like, okay, that's all, that's sad, but that's kind of all you go there. But then this one, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Man, it really was a good film. The one, music was good too. It, I have to shout it, the, music the music was, was great. Oh, yes. Not even, great. Not, like, yeah, like the soundtrack, the score they did was great. Well, it looks like we have under a minute. Garrett, thank you so much for joining us today. Parker, thank you for being here as well. And thank you to the audience for listening to another episode of We Love That Podcast. We will definitely see you next time. Like us on Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.